Welcome to the Rise Podcast. I am Nuna Isi Ma. If you are new to the podcast, this is where we explore how to transform trauma into sovereign power, soulful purpose, and sacred pleasure, so that you can have the success and fulfillment in all your life circles and be the woman you are born to be. Hello and welcome to Rise. I have a special guest with us today and her name is Marcy Little. And Marcy is the author of the upcoming book, Naked, My Body Story. And she's doing healing work with clients, helping them discover and develop for themselves the same tools she discovered and has developed to heal pain, blockage and disorganized energy due to unresolved trauma in the body. When she's not engaged with clients, she can be found in her garden at Echo Village or in her office reading, doing research, deep in contemplation and writing. Marcy also offers ongoing Anusara yoga classes online and in person. Welcome, welcome, Marcy. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, so happy to have you. And uh, before we start and dive into our topic, I would like you to share a little bit about your story and uh, what led you to write this book about uh, your body. Yeah, thank you. It's a great, yeah, I mean, it's my story. Um, so I used to be a language teacher and I was a language teacher for over 25 years. And I had a brush with some toxic mold in my workplace that got me very sick. And it took me out of the classroom and on a healing journey to Mexico where I worked with some shamans there and really tried to detoxify. And when I came home from that journey, I thought that I was, you know, I was all, all brand new and my body was cleared out. And then I discovered that there was some trauma left in my cells that I had not completely addressed yet. And it had to do with my own history of sexual trauma and the lineage of a history of sexual trauma in my family, particularly with my mother. So I was surprised to find this. It's not news to me, it was not new, but I thought that I had done my work around it. And I think what changed was um, that I, when I got kicked out of the classroom, I became a yoga instructor. And so I was in my body more deeply than I had ever been before. And um, as a result, paying attention more deeply than I had ever before. And so um, as I came off the plane from Mexico and I was greeted by my beautiful husband, um, it was so wonderful to see him and I, he looked so sexy to me and I couldn't wait to hold him and touch him and be held. And we had a great meeting and I write about this um, in the first chapter of my book. And you know, unabashed hugging and deliciousness, and juiciness. And then we leave the airport and we're walking across the parking lot and he reaches over and puts his hand on my lower back and something so familiar takes place in my body, which is the contraction, the pull away, the old sense of danger or fear. And now I'm living this terrible, um, this terrible conflict inside where my heart is so open to my husband and yet my body suddenly just said, something, something is scary. And I didn't understand it fully yet. 
And that was the start of my journey to writing my book. I came home and the next night, I basically got the download from the universe, which was, you have to write this book. And this book is going to, you're going to write it as you figure this out for yourself. What is this? What the heck is going on here? And you got to heal it all the way. And so that was what happened. <laughs> so, so now please uh, tell us what did you discover while writing the book and healing yourself at the same time? Yeah. So the, the journey of the writing really took place over about a six month period. Um, the healing continues, right? I mean, we're, we're never fully healed. We're never fully arrived until we're fully enlightened. And it really is part and parcel to that same kind of journey of, um, of enlightenment, really um, going more and more deeply into what is held in the body and releasing or resolving allows us to be more fully present in the moment and, and carry more light, the light that we are, right? And I know you know this because it's what you're about, very deeply aligned in that way. So um, I guess I have to sort of talk about the nervous system a little bit and anybody who studies trauma theory, will, this will be very familiar to you. So um, in my case, what I began to understand was happening, and I didn't even have this language for it yet, was just that some very, very young part of myself um, was afraid. And um, certain things would trigger her into a certain kind of response that my nervous system developed very, very early on as a protective mechanism. So for example, when I was in my mother's body, she was um, a survivor of incest with both her father and an uncle. So in being born into her body, I was already um, in, in this, you know, in my cells, they already had this epigenetic knowledge, if you will, that goes on generations and generations. And then as I was born, I came into a world and several things occurred before I was even, even turned one years old. And one of them was being brutally beaten up by a babysitter and having my mother who hadn't really healed her own trauma yet, not knowing what to do about that and allowing that babysitter to babysit for me again. I mean, hello, you know, a baby's not dumb. That's terrifying. And with no resources available other than crying and screaming. And I think that's what made the babysitter um, attack me in the first place. What was, what was a young body to do, but freeze and shut down. And, and then later we had babysitters who also sexually molested us. And I don't have a recollection of that, obviously at that stage, but my body remembers. And that's the thing, right, about trauma. So my nervous system regulated for survival, the way that it is set up to do, and it is brilliant. And, um, and as a baby, I was able to survive, but it was set up, right? There was already a kind of dislocation. Some part of my self got cordoned off, if you will, right? And so, um, so that's my understanding. I became, I began to understand that that's what happened. And I called it just this young part of myself. But this young part is the instinctual part and it lives in our brainstem. And the thing about coming into physical, sexual intimacy is that there's more of us engaged than that. We're engaging our limbic system, which is more the emotional response. We're engaging our, our neocortex, which is more like, how do we think about it? So if, you, I, I, um, if you've seen um, Dr. Keisha, she's, she's a fantastic person. Um, if you've watched her TED talk, she talks about the image of 
a wild zebra running, being chased by a lion. <laughs> so if you have that image in your head and then, and then you come in to touch that zebra and say, hey, honey, I'm really turned on to you right now. How is a zebra running for its life gonna register that, you know? And so that's sort of what happened to this young part of myself. And if you add to that, the deep socialization that occurs by being a female in this world, right? You're just, you're just adding another layer of collective trauma that we all share. Um, and part of that is just the historical uh, mistreatment and ownership of our bodies. And that everything we see in the media that, ha that has a sexual component to it is seen through the lens of what turns a man on, right? It's that, yeah, you know, just what I'm talking about. And so does everybody hopefully who's listening and this will resonate. So, you know, this, there's a lot to, um, to kind of be with and to work with. Um, so, you know, my husband um, is a deeply loving person and we love each other very, very much. And we have a very, very deep, um, passionate connection. So I just knew that if I was going to be as fully alive as I really knew that I wanted to be and could be, I needed to heal that. So then the question is, how do you do it? <laughs> and that is the, the question that so many of us are dealing with, I think right now, and not just around this, but trauma in general, we've just come through this pandemic. And for so many people, um, you know, uh, we're having, we've had this collective experience of living with the, the threat to our lives. So we're coming out of that and our nervous system, whether we realize it or not, has been kind of um, prepared for threat. So, um, so yeah, um, that brings me sort of to um, how important it is to begin to really get to know yourself, to get to know what the body is saying, right? And especially get to know the, what the young part of the body is saying, what the nervous system is saying. Um, because it's very tempting to want to override the nervous system, right? The mind is like, what the heck? I love this guy. I want, but he's touching my leg right now. And I, and I wish he wasn't. And I wish that I wished, I wish that I didn't wish he wasn't or whatever that is, <laughs> you know? But we can't actually talk ourselves out of it. So we have to work with the body right where it is. And that sort of begins by getting to know your no. Getting to know when whatever it is inside is saying no right now. And one of my teachers, when we, I first began this, this part of my journey and the writing of it, and um, you know, I, I noticed that I would have, um, I just, I had these layers of feeling like I was supposed to be always ready or pleasing to my husband. It's like, what? <laughs> and he said, Marcy, you can say no for any reason at all. And I was like, what? I can? <laughs> I hadn't realized fully that my body is my own yet. That it's my body. This is happening in my body and it's my body. And so that was sort of one of the first things to realize was like, actually, this is, this body is mine, right? And so, and, and, and so being, when I'm, it's saying no, it's really my job to be paying attention and listening and listening in the ways that it was not honored previously. 
So there's a, a temptation to continue the legacy of trauma, to continue doing to our bodies what was done to ourselves by pushing ourselves through, by saying yes when the body's not ready, by all of those things that, you know, we're sort of programmed to, how we're programmed to respond, basically. So yeah, so um, pretending <laughs> or lying to myself or lying to yourself or ignoring what's going on or acting as if it's not happening or forcing simply reenacts the initial wrong that was done that created this response in the first place. And so for me, well, for all of us, the nervous system when it experienced a trauma and trauma can be defined loosely as an experience that you have at any time in your life that is more than your nervous system can assimilate or digest or understand, you know, or, or metabolize is a common word that we use now. Um, and there are many responses that happen, as you know, you know, we've, we hear the term fight or flight. So that's like the very first go-to that typically happens, especially if that's possible. So if it's possible to flee, get away from the danger. If it's possible to fight it off, we fight it off. But sometimes that's not possible. And then there's the freeze response. And you see this in the natural environment, right? So that zebra, at some point when it's cornered by the lion, and it knows it can't get out, it's gonna freeze. And, par and partially that's just to, to, um, to give the lion the signal that it's already dead. So no point, <laughs> might as well keep going, right? Or there's something called collapse, right? Where we just, we give up completely. And, um, and in my case, because my trauma was so early in my life and I had so few resources available, my, my manifestation in my nervous system was more of a freeze response, a tightening of the body. So I already spoke about that. So my husband reaches over and he puts his hand on my lower back and whoosh, there's that sense, right? And I notice it now because I have a mindfulness practice in my body. I still don't know what to do, but I notice it. That is the first step, right? That's the first step. And it's absolutely essential um, to begin to notice how your system or your systems respond and say no. You know, for some people, it's going to be that freeze response, like getting back into the turtle shell. For other people, it's going to be put the dukes up. I'm ready for a fight, you know, like, or you may, and you, and a lot of this happens, it's very unconscious. Like, I don't know why I want to fight with you right now. I just know I want to push you away. I want to do something that's going to get you as far from me as possible, right? Or I'm going to get super, super busy and become completely unavailable so that intimacy is not even an option for me, right? So these are just some of the things that, some of the signals to begin to get familiar with. Um, so how do you tame the zebra who's running for its life? <laughs> you notice, you begin to start to notice what your patterns are, right? What are my patterns? Okay, so mine is freeze. Ooh, my shoulders tightened, my belly tightened, my breath got a little bit shallow, my hands are in fists. I'm carrying suddenly a lot of tension, like as though I were carrying stuff, but I'm carrying nothing. I'm just standing here in the kitchen doing the dishes. Okay. Um, and then once I notice it, there may be an immediate temptation to want to make it go away like this shouldn't be happening. And this brings me some to the work of Tara Brock. Are you familiar with Tara Brock's work? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, she's a wonderful uh, Buddhist teacher, practitioner. Um, and she has this acronym RAIN. Are you familiar with the acronym RAIN? No? So the, the, the RAIN acronym is a wonderful practice to do, and it works with everything. Um, so it's R-A-I-N, and the R stands for recognize. So that's that moment of recognition of like, oh, I've just been triggered. My body tightened. That's what it is for me. And the next step is sometimes the hardest thing for people to do, which is the A, which is allow. We want to deny what's happening. I'm an adult woman. This shouldn't be happening to me. I'm 52 years old. Da -da -da -da, you know, um, and we want to push it away or pretend or da, da da da. So then the A is allow, and this can take a long time also. And that can already be immediately transformational, just to allow what is present to be present. Um, there's a no happening. Hmm. I just noticed it. Okay, I'm going to allow it. What's that like? Ooh, all right. And then the I comes in, and the I stands for inquiry. So we bring in some curiosity. And um, I'm going to come back to this again and again. But in the curiosity, I might say to myself, well, well, this is interesting that my body feels so tight, and yet there's actually no real danger here in my environment. Like my body feels like there's a threat. But if I look to the left, and if I look to the right, and if I look up, and if I look down, I can see that in fact, there's no danger. And in fact, I'm an adult body in an adult body. So if anything comes my way, I have so many options available, right? I can stop it by moving away, which of course, when you're a year old, you can't do yet, right? Or I can, um, I can say, no, I can use my voice. I can say, well, actually, no, not right now. This isn't working for me right this minute. Um, hang on or whatever, you know, or I can, if needed, bite push away. I can do those things. Um, I'm in a bigger body. And then the end comes in and that's the nurturing step. So I'm going to come back to that again and again as we talk today. But um, um, so that is sort of a, a great practice to do. But the first step is really the most important one to develop. And if, if, if the listeners right now don't have a mindfulness practice, practice in the body, I'm going to talk about how you might be able to develop one that can really serve you a little bit later. Um, so I want to come back to fear for a second, if you don't mind. Um, I really think, you know, what's underneath all of, all of the trauma is this deep fear, the deep fear for instinctual fear for our lives. And fear, um, when we're an adult, it's very hard to, to know that what is going on is fear very hard. Um, it hides behind the bushes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it hides out. So it's, it's not even easy to identify or recognize it. Um, so I've already talked about ways that trigger being triggered by fear um, can show up in the body, at least for me. Some For some people, there's a numbing sensation uh, or a tingling sensation. Uh, you'll get to know it. It can also happen in the emotions. I talked about that. We um, we may find ourselves starting to uh, starting a fight, but that's not really what we're fighting about, right? It has no true merit. <laughs> we might find ourselves feeling depressed all of a sudden, or in a rage, um, or we may shut down. When the mind also may become hypercritical, 
right? I might like suddenly my partner looks bad in every single way and I can't stop criticizing him or I may be doing that to myself and not really even realize it. And so we get, and then we get trapped in these mental loops and they're painful often. I might get trapped in the loop of, oh, here it is again and it's never gonna stop. It's never gonna go away. And then you can see my body just sort of collapses into that. This is deep neural programming. It can't be rewired overnight, but it can be rewired. That's the thing. So yeah, so we need to develop a practice. And um, if you want new um, naisi, if you have any questions before I start talking about that, feel free to, I know I'm just like talking, but feel free to jump in. I love what you're saying. It's completely resonates. Uh, you know, as somebody that have walked this path of healing sexuality, trauma in my body i know exactly what you're talking about and you just laid it out so beautifully and so clearly so go ahead and carry on <laughs> okay i'm glad to hear that um i when i do work with clients who have a history of sexual trauma it's always interesting to me how differently it manifests in everyone mm -hmm. so it's always interesting to me like um not that many of my clients have that freeze response when they're touched the way that I do, for example, but it's more like um, uh, it may come up more in, in being afraid of social anxiety, for example, or being around others. And so it's sort of like, you know, this is sort of how it's manifested in me. And I think for a lot of people, it, this does happen, you know, touch, touch is a potential trigger. <laughs> you know, because the, um, the harm happened right here in the space of the physical body. Mm -hmm. So, um, but for people who don't have a mindfulness practice, and I have several uh, clients for whom this is true, uh, and I'll just back up a second and say also that, um, that there can also be kind of a resistance to developing a mindfulness practice in the body and a resistance in general to any of this, which is normal, absolutely normal. And the resistance is welcome to come along, <laughs> you know, and you just you get to know your resistance also. And it's just sort of like welcome on the journey. So, um, yeah, so the space of the body can feel like an enemy um, to many people. So what do you mean I'm going to get in my body? It sucks in here. And that's true. That's going to be true, but it won't last. Initially, it's really possible that it's going to feel bad in there, especially if you're not accustomed to spending much time in the body. Um, but that's where the healing lies. And as some healers say, it's like you're hurting anyway, <laughs> whether you realize it or not. So why not do the, do the work and go through the, the hurt in a useful way, the way that truly will serve you to become more free. So, um, so for example, I'll say, well, hey, um, what's something that you do every single day? Well, there's teeth brushing, or I do the dishes at my house, or I walk in and out of the front door <laughs> because I leave for work and I come home for work, or I go up the stairs and I go into my room, or I go into the bathroom and I close the door. So you can choose a thing um, that, that you do more than once a day and just begin in a, in a very manageable way to, to give yourself a mindfulness practice. And this mindfulness practice will help you to begin to recognize what's going on in your body. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk who, who, um, who's, who's very old right now and I think um, his, his health is very poor, but 
he wrote The Miracle of Mindfulness, and he has uh, several retreat villages that are called Plum Village throughout the world. And one of the practices that they did is that anytime the phone would ring, everyone would stop and have a moment of mindfulness. Now, what is a moment of mindfulness? <laughs> um, a moment of mindfulness can be any, many, many things. I'm going to make a suggestion, but you can find uh, what works for you. And that's true when I work with people. It's like the things that work for me, maybe don't work for you, right? So we're going to find stuff that does. But um, getting into the body can be very, very simple. It can be as simple as remembering that you can tune into your body. That's like the first step. Oh, right. I have a body and I have the, the unique superpower being a human being where I can actually become attentive to what's going on. And then becoming attentive to what's going on, like being a little curious. Here it is. Okay, so what is going on with my body right now? Where am I tense? So we can call this a body scan and you can come to do this rather quickly. Initially, it may take some time, some practice. Um, where do I have tension? And very often we're going to find tension in our shoulders and our neck. Very often we're going to find that we've been holding ourselves tightly. Some people have been holding themselves tightly like this for their entire lives, right? And so just it's radical to even begin to notice it. And then it can feel like, oh my God, I'm doing this all the time. So that's why we take, you know, we start small. It's like, okay, I'm opening the door. I'm going to pause. What's going on in my body? Oh, wow, there's this tension in my shoulders. I just notice it at first. And just by noticing it, an invitation to soften and relax it comes in. And then I'm like, oh, what's happening with my breath? Oh my God, I don't think I'm breathing at all. Hang on. Yeah, I don't think I'm breathing at all. And the temptation then is to go <gasps> and take a really deep breath, <laughs> which is that, that in itself can be triggering for some people. So I don't recommend that, or you've noticed that that's your, your, the next thing you do. Like, oh, look, there I am taking a really deep breath. And then you just come back to, okay, well, what, what's the natural thing that's going on right now in my breath? And allow that. And then see as you allow it and notice it, what, what shifts, if anything shifts. And if nothing shifts, nothing shifts. If something shifts, how cool is that? And then you just leave the door. You go on with your life. And then the next time you come to a door, you pause and you do that practice again. And after you get good at that, you'll notice that you'll start becoming mindful and curious about what's going on in your body times when you're not practicing when you intended to, right? It starts to infiltrate in a positive way the other, other times in your life. And when that begins to take place, now you're creating a really strong foundation of mindfulness in the body that is your best friend for healing the nervous system. Um, and the nervous system, um, when, when we get triggered and trauma has not been yet resolved or metabolized in our adult form, um, I'm blanking, the nervous system, yes. The nervous system, yes. Okay, what was I about to say? <laughs> I just, uh, while you get your thoughts um, gathered, I, I love how you uh, created these anchoring points, right? So you basically say, instead of, uh, thinking about being mindful and then it kind of dissipates right it's it's kind of hard to grasp you can do it maybe for a day or two and then it's kind of you're not used to it so it's it goes away you anchor it to things that you do anyway and you and you and you um, um you you bend them together right you you um you say okay so 
every time I'm going to brush my teeth, for instance, I'm going to take a moment to dive into the body and, and take an inventory of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so, so this is like a, something that will be a great reminder because you, you co- collaborate in those two together. I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's very anchoring. Um, and it's so important to come back to it again and again and again. It's like, you can't do this once and think you're done. You have to really, really repeat it because these are deep, deep neural pathways and we're trying to grow new highways mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that become the way that we travel as opposed to these ways that we're patterned and traveling. Um, so yeah, I, I think I remember what I was about to say. So I was going to say, you know, when we get triggered, the, uh, the trauma lives outside of time until it's resolved and metabolized. So here we are at a present moment, but we are experiencing the present moment as if we were back in the past. Um, So one of the things that you can add to your practice once it becomes more firmly rooted is something that um, I got from Resma Menachem, who has the book, My My Grandmother's Hands. It's a beautiful book for healing trauma, highly recommended. Um, And that is we add the, I am safe. I am safe. And the first time that you practice this, um, it doesn't feel true yet, but you have to keep practicing it anyway. And it's really important because of the way the nervous system works and how that engages the psoas muscle deep in the belly when you're afraid. And that's why the belly tightens to, um, to actually turn across the midline. So you turn at the door. Once you've done your mindfulness, you well, what's happening in my body? Oh, I'm tense in my shoulders. Okay. What's happening in my breath? Oh, there's my breath. Oh, I feel my feet. That's a good one. Then you can add, turn to the left and look, really see where you are. I'm safe so that your mind can believe it. And then you turn the other way and across the midline, I'm safe. And then look up, I'm safe look down, I am safe. See what's really right here because it brings you back to this present moment. And because the trauma lives in the brainstem, by doing this, we're engaging the limbic system and the neocortex as well. So we're engaging more resources that we have available to do this retraining. Um, So that's something you can add in. And again, you don't practice it just once you start practicing it a lot. Um, no need to get obsessive, but if that's your jam, this is a great thing to obsess over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, I want to bring us now to um, to intimacy, sexual intimacy, if that's okay with you. Mm, go for it. Yes. Okay. Uh, because this is really, really the impetus was the initial impetus for writing my book. Is I wanted to heal this trauma so that I could feel um, more ease, more relaxed sooner when coming together with this person who I love so much, you know? And um, so for me, uh, very often, just knowing that, that my husband is desiring me can trigger me. And I can start doing all these things. <laughs> You know, and then, and then when I notice it, I, I bring in what I call the pause or what many people call the pause. Many spiritual um, teachers, such as Pema Chodron teaches 
the pause, the importance of the pause, and not just for this, but for any time we've been stimulated in some way before we respond, before we act, giving ourselves a pause, a space for a moment and a full breath before, you know, we create karma, <laughs> a mess, or just something that we're gonna have to fix afterwards. So giving ourselves a pause, and it's the same thing here. And in that pause, we begin to realize we have some choices. And in that pause, for example, I might be able to say, oh, what's really going on with me right now? So I bring in that eye, that, that curiosity. I'm like, oh, I'm afraid. And my husband and I have been at this long enough, almost 19 years, so that I can just say to him, oh, I notice I'm having some fear right now. And he'd be like, oh, okay. You know, he's a great partner in this with me. And um, I feel really blessed that I have someone who can be a great partner in this with me. And he gets all the benefits, truly. So it's really in his best interest. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who does um, somatic-based trauma healing understands the importance of slowing things down. Right? We start to slow things down. This is hard for us to do when it comes to sex, because when it comes to sex, we've been imbibing the imagery of the straight line from passion to first kiss to clothes being thrown off to um, penetrative sex all of our lives and in everything that we take in. And none of that, this was another impetus for me writing the book, it's like none of that mirrors my experience. I must be a freak. I thought I was a freak. Well, I'm not a freak. I'm not a freak. And you're not a freak. We're not freaks if we don't, if it doesn't work that way for us, you know? Um, so yeah, so, so Chris and I, we, we have sort of a practice. We have a practice that, um, that works for us and you can develop your own practice and what works for you. And I'll just share a little bit of what works for me. Basically, I took my yoga practice to bed. That's what I did. And when I first started becoming a teacher in yoga, I noticed that my tendency was to always push myself. It's like we get on the yoga mat, but we bring ourselves to our practice. And it's the same thing. I'm gonna bring that same thing to bed with my husband. And so my tendency was to, it was an old pattern, right? That had been done to me was push myself. So we, we sit first, we just begin by sitting across from each other and we take a moment as long as it takes really, sometimes it can be fast, sometimes it can take a half an hour and we meditate and we just get present. Um, <sighs> just taking myself there in my imagination right now feels really good actually. Um, and I recommend doing this, not whether you have sexual trauma in your body or not, because we're all being pulled in so many directions. And if we want to have a truly present and full experience sexually in our bodies, we gotta be there. We gotta be in them, gotta be in the body. So taking some time to align ourselves, really pause again, notice what's going on. The same kind of thing you do when you're opening the door, you're brushing your teeth, right? Ah, now I'm sitting. Okay, I feel my sit bones. Okay, do I feel tension? Oh, is that necessary? Hmm what's going on with my breath, and then dropping the energy down into the body more and more deeply. And then we'll open our eyes and we'll look at each other. And maybe sometimes there's the, the reach, there's making contact. And, and I listen and it's like, am I ready to be touched yet? Sometimes I am, 
And sometimes I'm not yet. I'm like, not yet. <laughs> I'm not ready to be touched yet. I'll, and I'll let you know, or he'll try it again. And that same kind of thing um, will happen throughout the entire time that we're sharing our, ourselves with each other, our bodies and our hearts and our souls. We're sharing our whole selves with each other. Like I, I may start to feel very, very present and very open and, and then something might happen, you know? Um, less and less this occurs. And that's the good news, <laughs> less and less this occurs, but something might happen. He may move too quickly for me, for example. And, I'm, I'm, and that's a moment, and if, I'm, and if I'm present in my body, I'm like, hang on, I need, I need to pause again. I need to slow it down again. And, um, and so, you know, we are allies in this and we do. So um, creating space where there's time, can be a real, a real resource and a real support. And I know that we don't always all have time, but um, that can really help. So meanwhile, the zebra that's running for its life <laughs> has suddenly discovered that the lion isn't actually here. It's not running after me. Oh, zebras and animals in the wild, they'll just, they'll just stop. They shake it right off. That's it. That's Peter Levine who teaches us that, right? They shake it off and then they just start eating and their nervous system relaxes. It's not so easy for us, which is why we have to do all this work. Um, okay, and why we need to practice it again and again and again. So just to review, <laughs> the first thing is that mindfulness practice in the body, notice what's going on. Pause. Then we allow it. We tune into our breath, we ground our feet, we look around, we see that we're safe, we look at our partner and remember, this is this person who only wants my highest, best, bestness, <laughs> for lack of other words. Um, we may remember and realize that we're bigger now, that we have more cells in the body, that the nervous system is more complex that I have my limbic and my neocortex cortex systems online. I have inner resources and I have these outer resources and that, you know, I, I can handle what is happening here right now. Um, and the heart wants this. The heart wants this intimacy. And maybe in first, maybe at the start, uh, the impetus may be, well, I want to be better for my partner. That may be the first intimus, uh, impetus for this change. But the truth is that it's truly an invitation to become more intimate with ourselves. That's really where it's at. Um, and finding relaxation in the body again and again and again helps us to really deepen our relationship with ourselves. Um, and be present. And that's basically um, part, you know, that's sort of the skeletal journey that I talk about in my book or share and show, but there's obviously it's much, it's my story and it's fleshed out and there's a lot to it. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it. Do you have any more questions for me about that or comments? Yeah, so I love how you said that 
you know, it's going to be painful regardless whether we're going to go through it and heal it or not. And in fact, I would even add to that, that the pain is so much worse if we don't heal it because it's um, robbing us from our vital energy, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, you know, when, when you talked about um, freezing the body, I believe to, to keep that freeze intact, we use our vital energy to kind of keep it there. And, um, and, and then we don't have our life force energy available for other things that we want to do in the world, that we want to create, that we want to be. So mm -hmm. not only that it's painful in the sense of uh, it doesn't feel great to live in this body, which is really, I mean, you're in this body for the rest of your life here on earth. So you might as well just go through that rabbit hole and, and come out of the other side and really feel welcomed back home, back in your body, right? And, and find that sense of... Um, of joy, of ease, of really feeling that that you can rest in this body, that you can own it, that you can embody it. And um, yeah, I, I love how you uh, gave all these um, amazing ways to, to do that, to come back home, to remind ourselves that um, it is the body that keeps the trauma and it is from the body, body-mind connection, right? I believe that the mind is everywhere in the body. It's, it's yeah. very different to the brain, right? The brain is, um, you know, a physical organ that, you know, an operator can kind of open and point here is the brain. Um, and, and the brain can die, you know, when, when the body dies. But the mind is, is, is interconnected with, with the soul. The mind can, can carry on, if you will. Uh, when the body dies so 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 really integrate ourselves back in our body bring all those defragmented parts of us that either frozen or checked out uh, back into synergy and harmony in the body mm -hmm. right I would even add that um, you know I, I interviewed a woman recently named Lavinia Planka who's a Feldenkrais practitioner and she's amazing and um and she said that Feldenkrais, like the mind is the body and the body is the mind. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when the body dies, the mind dies. And when the mind dies, the body dies. And that as long as, you know, there's still blood circulating in the body, the body is still alive. You know, as long as breath is still happening in the body, the body is still alive. And so then is the mind. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're one and the same. So we don't, you know, embodiment is, I think, really um, what we're all being called to right now at this time on the planet. Right, because, yeah, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's really uh, if we fully embody ourselves in this body, this is our vehicle, it's our sacred temple, uh, it's our source of connection to the divine. We cannot connect any other way than from within, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there was the one other thing I wanted to add because you're, you're, I agree so much with what you said. It's like the vitality, the vital energy gets trapped. Um, it gets trapped when, when we unconsciously, and, and this happens just below the layer of consciousness, what's going on in the body, which is why it's so powerful to begin to listen to and understand the language of the body because it lives in that unconscious place. 
And so we're bringing into consciousness, into the light, things that have lived in, if you will, kind of darkness. Um, so when we spend our entire lives kind of test, tensed like this, yes, that vitality cannot flow. It gets trapped. And so then does the breath. And in yoga, in yogic philosophy, you know, we talk about the breath as being the source of prana in our bodies. And that's also why it's so powerful to begin to work with the breath and notice what's going on with the breath. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not breathing at all. One of my clients is like, Marcy, I'm never breathing. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, how about this moment? We'll just start right here, right now, because that's what we've got, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I mean, uh, you know, as a breathwork facilitator, I, I see that all the time, how the breath has... Um, the power to to activate, to clear, to brush, if you will, um, all those knots in the body that we we can't do it through the mind. Uh, it's beyond the level of our conscious um, understanding. And the, the breath, you know, is as you said, it's prana, it's the divine. So it's the infinite intelligence working through and with mm -hmm. our body, uh, overriding mm -hmm. our thinking mind. And, um, you know, my first experience was, um, I was fairly young, I was 21, and I was a mess. I was a sexual mess. I was completely disconnected from my body. Sexuality was only happening in my head. And I had to activate actually abusive fantasies to get turned on. And that created a whole complex in my being and um yeah i just i got to a point where going through the dark night of the soul when i was on drugs and i was just such a mess that i knew that okay either i'm going down or making a decision right here and right now to take myself and heal and which mm -hmm. obviously i did yeah. and i arrived to Pune in india in when I was 21 and i decided to do the primal work which is intense i actually have one of our speakers, uh, Pooja Lep, uh, she does this work and I'm going to interview her and she'll go deeper into that. Uh, but uh, to be able to do that, I had to uh, go through a breath work preparation so my nervous system can handle the intensity mm -hmm. of the other workshop. And, yeah. and so I went into that um, kind of not knowing where I'm stepping into and I thought, oh, this breath work now, I'm already, you know, whatever. Uh, and I found myself there. I was, as I said, young and, you know, no, 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 a lot of uh, wisdom in that sense. And I was just breathing and following the exercises. And it was so transformative that I can literally, you know, put my life into before and after. Mm. Um I mean, my body was convulsing in, in, in such profound ways and I was discharging energy and I was moving beyond my will, beyond my, um, you know, I, just my body was doing all those things just from the breath. And um, even, you know, before going to, to do this breath work, I had, you mentioned tight shoulders. I had beyond tight shoulders. I was, I was in, in, in severe pain and um, no massage or, you know, all different kinds of creams and oils and nothing really eased it. And yeah, I ended up every evening um, having this hot, hot, hot shower just so I can 
straighten a little bit. It was mm-hmm. really the weight of the of the world was on my shoulders. And after that breath work, I came out and I was like, Whew, the weight came off. And yeah. that was for me at that young age was just like mm-hmm. unbelievable. And that set me off on this journey to um, really dig into the healing modalities and really find ways that can transform me and that can give me that uh, hope that I can live in my body and actually feeling okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. (laughs) Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. So, yeah. And and because of the, um, it sounds like to me, because of the true intensity of the, of the breath work and the nervous system's ability to begin to relax, you were able to release a lot of trauma from your body at that time. And you were also in a safe container and in a supporting supportive environment and, and all kinds, you know, and it was, and it was the right timing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, the good news is that trauma can be healed. I mean, this is really, I think, the 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 very essence of this summit um, that we can actually grow out of it stronger, wiser, and thrive. It's really in our hands. And yes, it is going through that rabbit hole, but um, I think that you know you mentioned fear. Uh, having uh, it, it's the underlying kind of emotion under many other kind of negative emotions that it masks itself for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we dig under all those emotions, you know, may it be jealousy or envy or, um, you know, I don't know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. All, it's like the, the ba- very basic fear of being um, rejected or ejected from the pack. And, exactly. Um, having to somehow survive all alone on our own. So that's, that's really right. the underlying fear and we can't really do it. So that fear is well-based, you know, that's incredibly, yep. it's incredibly vulnerable. So it makes, it makes sense. And, and yes, we learn to armor ourselves around this mm-hmm. tremendous vulnerability, which is the truth of being in a, a spirit in a human form. We are incredibly vulnerable and we're incredibly resilient and we're incredibly strong and we're not broken. <laughs> That's what I like to say. It's like, we are not broken. And I just have um, profound and deep respect for the journey um, to wholeness, the journey of bringing these parts back in these young parts of ourselves, these damaged parts of ourselves, to bring them back in because they carry such, they carry wisdom. They carry vitality. They're going to bring the vitality back if we do the work to bring them back in so that they know it's safe to be here again. It's like, come on back because I need (laughs) you. We're going to do this together and it's going to be good and we're going to feel good. We're going to feel better than we've ever felt before in our lives. And that's the promise of the work. Yeah. I second that. I second (laughs) that. Yeah, exactly. Um, in inside our soul, we are always whole, and anything that happens really happens on the periphery. And the journey itself, the healing journey, is the journey. This is really the path that we we walk um, here at this at this stage of our evolution. It might change in the future, you know, when 
when we reach a different collective mass. But at the moment where we are coming, emerging from, you know, a wounded culture, really. I mean, our culture been wounded for generations under patriarchy and yeah. So, yes. so we, yeah. I think so that we it's are- It's a broken model. It's a broken model. So we are not yeah. broken, but the culture oh, ways have been broken and created, um, you know, they were the foundation of, of people being wounded and, and passing that through generations. And I really feel that especially us and, and all of you listening, we are the bridge, right? We have that capacity to, to break that epigenetic uh, line and, and really uh, feel it to heal it within ourselves so we can uh, pass, um, you know, more integrity to our younger generations, more uh, love and um, healing and, and all of that. Because when we work ourselves, uh, on ourselves, um, yeah, we pass it on. It doesn't stay right. with us, right? Right. It's sort of like, it makes me think of the planet, the earth, and how we've polluted it. And it's sort of like what we see in terms of how polluted our planet has become is in a way how polluted we are potentially with generational, collective, and personal trauma. And we're responsible for our own nervous systems. Ultimately, it's like it lies here. And it's a legacy that in the Native American traditions, for example, you know, they were always thinking seven generations before and seven generations in the future. And I want to leave things better than how I found them. But, but you know, the Western model does not think that way. You know, we're in it to, it's the same thing. It's like we're raped the planet just as women have been raped for millennia. It's the same model that is broken. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not really sure, but it really is, like you say, it's like when we do this healing for ourselves and in ourselves, I really believe we heal past generations that they, they did not have the ability or the capacity yet to do that for themselves. Maybe they did some and some of that came through for us and we heal the next generations and into the future and we heal the planet. We are really in connection with the earth in this work. We are not disconnected. This is earth work as well. She's our mother. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this is another way to feel embodied. Uh, just a, a little uh, share here. Um, you know, I went through quite a lot of uh, journeys with medicinal plants and, um, and I found myself very often lying on the earth, chest to chest and feeling her holding me with gravity and feeling her nurturing and her love, her unconditional love and abundance. And yeah, she filled me with, with this energy, vibrancy. And uh, that was my, my link mm -hmm. to, to the divine mother, knowing yeah. that, you know, uh, my mother, the physical mother, yeah, she was my portal to, to incarnate here and respect for that. It's, it's huge. Uh, but ultimately, the, the mother is really Mother Earth. Yeah. And um, yeah. I love you saying that. And um, in my book, Naked, um, there's rarely a chapter where my relationship, my developing love and intimacy with the, the physical world, the, the woods and, and all of its creatures is not somehow apart. 
and I feel like it's part and parcel to the healing in my own body is strengthening that relationship, developing it, strengthening it and practicing it when I go now into the woods is greeting, greetings to the forest and, and an invitation for us to, to walk together as I enter, you know, it's alive. I'm alive. We are, I'm alive because you're alive. Thank you. And now let's, let's share in this aliveness together. And, um, and some amazing things happen often. <laughs> they yeah, do. Great. Yeah. So I know, Marcy, that you uh, sharing um, uh, chapters of your book, right? So yeah, um, yeah the audience can um, get that and get a sense yeah. of what you've been writing about. So I shared chapter one, um, and that just sort of opens up. It takes you right in. Um, and um, I will say, you know, that um, the book, it, it's, it's very open and it takes you right in, but, and it can feel it tense at times, but it's, but it's also, there's the joy is woven in and the healing is woven in. So it's, um, it has all of that in it. And the book is available now, both in Kindle form and in paperback on Amazon. You can just look it up and find it if you like that first chapter. Uh, yes. Yeah. So congratulations for that. I know what it takes to write a book. Uh, it's an entire process and journey. Yes, and uh, good luck with your message and your work. And I love your energy. I love your beautiful smile. Mm -hmm. and, um, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you too, Nunaisi. And um, I love the work that you're doing. I feel like we're on a sister journey here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having synchronized, me. right? Also. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I look forward to reading your book. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so if people want to find you and work with you, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, just go to my website, marcylittle.com. Marcy is spelled with a Y and it'll be easy great so yeah. we have all the links here on this page and uh, until the next time we meet all my love and ciao okay thanks again